Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Uh, Just one this week, and then next week we go to two a week. I know a lot of you are excited. I know some of you are excited. I know 10 of you are excited. We'll see. But uh, yeah, starting next week, we'll we'll do a Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday will be a look back at what happened. Thursday will be a look ahead at what is going to happen. Of course, today will be a look ahead and a little bit of a look back uh, at a um, at college football uh, for the weekend. We'll be joined a little bit later by Ralph Russo, who is the college football writer for the Associated Press, and we've had many discussions about the AP poll, which I'm a voter on, and we've boy, I, I screwed up something last week, and he had to straighten me out on it uh but he uh he loves his college football and watches it religiously religiously i almost couldn't get that word out so we'll uh get to that um i want to start out by talking well first of all it's game week and and i've look I'll, I'll be honest with you i'm sitting here and i've i've got a weird feeling because i'm not going to the game robbie's not going to the game a lot of people aren't going to the game i, I almost everybody i've talked to in the media is not going to the game uh it doesn't make sense for us to go all the way to oxford mississippi and then do a zoom call which we could do at home and then come back from oxford mississippi you're not getting anything you're not allowed to leave the press box except to go back to your hotel room so there's no sense in it and it just doesn't that's why we're not doing it but it feels weird because we hardly ever i've missed one game since 94 robbie's missed one game since 89 uh so it is weird uh but there's also this feeling of because we don't know what's what's coming up with this season and i wrote about this a little bit the other day you know it's like the sec and uh, college football should get together and combine their their mottos to be every game matters more than it did before because every the, the the theme of college football has always been every game matters you know it's not like the nfl where you can lose two or three times you know every game matters well every game matters more this year than it did last year because we don't know how many games we're going to play it you could get into the playoffs going five and oh i mean that you've got to have a real sense of urgency so there's that hanging over it. Uh, something that Dan Mullen said is hanging over it that he said to us the other day about how, look, we could end up on fr- on Friday getting on that plane and 10 guys can't go, and now I've got to totally change my game plan. Um, so you've got that hanging over it. Uh, it. There's all this mystery about what kind of team this is going to be. We all think it's going to be a really good team. But nobody knows for sure because we ha- we haven't seen any practices. We haven't seen any, any scrimmages. We're, we're anxious to see what the new Kyle Trask looks like. We're anxious to see what um, you know w- what this defense looks like, which is very thin in the middle right now. And we'll see how they uh, adjust. Well, these new look bodies that these guys have. A lot of guys gained a lot of good weight. Um, you know, Sean Davis is, I, I think, is poised to have a a year that's going to get him a, I don't want to say a, a first round NFL pick, but a a decent round in the NFL draft. Um, but you got to play. You got to play and see what happens. So we're looking forward to it. And yet there's that. And then there's also that feeling that I always get about Tuesday before any game in the conference. And I might, look, I'm not saying the easy, the, the, the cream puff games that we know Florida would have had this year, you know, I obviously you don't get that feeling before Eastern Washington or South Alabama or Florida State. Ba-da-boom, tsh, 
rim shot. Um, but no, you you know you don't. But you know, I I, I there's a there's a path to Ole Miss winning the game. Now it's a hard path to, to go down, and Florida will have to help them. They'll have to make mistakes. But Lane is going to throw a lot at him. There's, I guarantee you, he's going to throw both those quarterbacks out there on, at the same time at some point. From what I understand from my sources out there, they've been running um, John Reese Plumley at some slot receiver, and then and then guess what they do? You got Corral back there. He pitches it to him. He throws it or runs it. The guy's fast. Uh, Dan Mullen said the other day he's faster than. C.J. Henderson, which I find hard to believe, but we do know he's fast. So we'll just see what happens. I mean, I think we'll – we've been it, – it's so funny because what we do in a regular college football season, let's face it, is we talk all summer about the team. The team is coming up. A lot of times things change drastically, like the knucklehead nine that, that got suspended – um, and ruined this, that a season that got even more ruined when um, McElwain talked about death threats and all that stuff. Okay, well, forget about that. In July, we've always had SEC media days, so we you know we start talking about it before SEC media days and writing about it. A season coming up, we've had a spring to write about it. By the time we get to the season, we pretty much have a good idea about what every team's going to look like. This year, we're just going by what the coaches are saying, which you can take with a you know grain of salt. Oh, there's a good cliche. Or um, just what we think watching them play last year and who's coming back. And that you guys know my theory on, on where teams get ranked in the AP poll. And, of course, that theory is all out because we only have the Big Ten won't be ranked till next week and blah, blah, blah. But you get ranked if you win your bowl game and you have your quarterback back, you get ranked higher. You go up. That There, there is – that is a uh, – there's no question that that happens. And I think in the case of, of uh, Florida, one reason they're as high as they are in the AP poll is because of Dan Mullen. I think people really think a lot of him as a coach. Um, I have them four in my poll. I, they're going to probably drop down a spot even if they win Saturday because Ohio State goes in ahead of them. But that's the only team that will go ahead of them. So um, – Look, we, we want to talk a little bit about what Ole Miss is going to present. Also, um, we're going to get into a lot of things uh, about the rest of the league. And we'll talk a little bit about what happened last week. The spreads are coming up. You know that. And three things, of course. Right now, we got to take a break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. If you're a Gator fan who believes saving money is better, join ViStar and save up to $5,000 in closing costs when you buy or refinance a home. The ViStar No Closing Costs Mortgage has a great rate, no hidden fees, and like the name says, no closing costs up to $5,000. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. Equal housing opportunity insured by NCUA. All loans subject to credit approval. Offer not available on VA and FHA mortgages. For more information, visit ViStarCU.org. One thing Mullen said was that he's anxious about a lot of things. And I think that's like, I don't know that Gator fans are that anxious. They're just eager. They want to see the Gators play. It's going to be September 26th 
before they finally see toe meet leather. Me, I'm like, when toe meets leather, I'll know the Gators are playing. But until then, I mean, I heck, we've seen games get canceled on Fridays because of uh, people testing positive and contact tracing and everything. Look, it is what it is. Uh, we just hope that, that they get to play and that the rest of the SEC gets to play. I know that they announced today that they're, they're using that I think it's like a wristband they put on to, to contact trace that makes it, which is the NFL's using, and that's the SEC doing things the right way. You know, one thing I, I, I did saw that um, I think it was Matt Hayes tweeted this out, and he was dead right about this. We haven't, th- this, what, all, as messed up as things have been this year with different leagues deciding different things at different times, hasn't shown that we need a commissioner. It's shown how much differently all these leagues are are governed and run. Greg Sankey is, you know, he's. It's like I've said before. It's like five families. It's like the mafia. Greg Sankey's at the top. He is the main man. He he is running his league better than anybody else is running their league. Nobody's going to argue with me on that with Kevin Warren. And I don't think anybody's going to argue with even with Jim Swafford, who's probably tied for second. And then out in the Pac-12, you got Larry Scott, who's Fredo. I mean, he can't. Uh, they they gave bonuses to all the to himself and to all their top officials, and then furloughed people. These are, these are just idiots. Okay, I don't care if the Pac-12 pay, plays. In fact, you know, I don't. I, go ahead, stay out, for, and, and don't come back. So you get a new commissioner. Anyway, um, so we'll see what happens with the Gators. I mean, like I said, they're there's they're very thin in the offense and the defensive line. Um, they're they're going to move some guys in there. You know, obviously freshmen are going to play. Gervon Dexter's a guy I can't wait to see. He's probably going to play more than more than he should as a true freshman, even though he's got the body for it. Uh, right now, Kyrie Campbell is not listed on the depth chart. Uh, Kyrie Campbell is listed on the roster. Kyrie Campbell um, is a uh, – I, I think there's a lot of rumors out there about him opting out. I don't think – I think if he opts out, I don't think he's going to have a choice in the matter. I mean, I don't think he'll be opting out because he's got concerns about it. But if that's what he wants to say, and that's fine, and we'll take it and and run with that. But there's something else going on there in terms of you still got to still got to pass your classes. That's all I'll say about that. Um, it is interesting to see Lorenzo Lingard not on the depth chart. They've got three running backs ahead of him. But as far as I know, everything's going okay with him. But uh, maybe he just hasn't impressed. That's a guy that I think a lot of people thought was going to be a big-time running back. Uh, I think two things happened. is Damian Pierce, I think, has, has had a great camp. And Malik Davis has had a huge camp. And it looks like the Malik Davis that we saw as a freshman, a, a bigger, stronger version of him. And good for him. I hope it, that everything works out for him. Again, they've got a block on the offensive line. Ethan White's out with a uh, a knee injury that they think he'll come back next week. So that means you uh, have uh, Heggie at center. Heggie's got to stay healthy. Um, you know, we'll see how that offensive line deals with, with that. Already an injury on the offensive line. But as I said, they think he'll be back next week. So there's all that going on. You know, we want to see what these receivers do. There's four guys in the NFL, and not only in the NFL, they're impacting the NFL. They were really good here. We knew it. They're doing really well up there. Van Jefferson's killing it. Freddie Swain had a touchdown Sunday night for my Seahawks. I've adopted them as my team. Um, So, we'll, you know, but again, Ole Miss is going to throw a lot at them. They're going to put Plumlee and Corral in the backfield probably at the same time. I don't think it really matters who starts. I think it'll be Corral. Um, their defense is still limited to what they can do. They've tried to they're, – they're moving some guys around. And from what I've been told, you may see some defensive end, tackles that look like defensive ends, uh, tall guys that aren't really thick. And Florida may just decide to pound the ball at them. You know, and that, I, look – as we know, and you guys know my philosophy, is still win by one. Every game you play, win the game. That's all that matters. doesn't matter if you win by one. 
Doesn't matter if it's 13 to 11. That would be by two. But um, it's just a matter of winning. That's what you got to do. So uh, looking forward to it, though, Saturday. But it is going to be weird. It's going to be weird for me. It's going to be weird for Robbie. going to be weird for a lot of people. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how things transpire. And then, then we'll come back and go, Hey, here's what we saw, blah, blah, blah. And we'll talk about the South Carolina game coming up. Of course, um, you know, the big 10 schedule came out and it was kind of funny what they did to Nebraska. I, I had to laugh. You know, they said, Nebraska wants to sue us. Um, okay, here's the schedule. Um, we are going to give you an opener with Ohio State. We're going to keep Penn State on the schedule and drop Rutgers. How do you like that now? And then, of course, now the Mountain West is talking about playing as well. Like I said, I, Mountain West good. I like, see, there's some good teams in there. They're talking about an October October 24th start. I don't care if the Pac-12 comes back, though. I really don't. There are a lot of teams I like in that league, a lot of coaches I like. But that they have got to put their foot down and get rid of Larry Scott. they just got to do it. That's just the way it's got to be. Um, one thing that we did have this week was quarterbacks getting announced. We now know that Miles Brennan will get the start at LSU. Everybody knew that ahead of time, but they just announced that. And then – Mac Jones at Alabama, which I think we all knew you're going to go with the older guy. He did have some moments. I mean, obviously he threw a couple pick sixes, but I think they feel like he can be really special. And but I, a lot of people thought it would might it might be Bryce Young, um, but it will be Mac Jones to start the season. And that's the thing: you're starting the season, you don't know how it's going to end up, you don't know when it's going to end up. Um, some schools did not announce. Vanderbilt says, we know who it's going to be. We're just not going to tell you. Ooh, I'm sure everybody's shaking over that. Uh, surprising South Carolina, Colin Hill getting the start over Holinsky. And I'll be honest with you, Holinsky, again, I saw him in not one of his best games. It was raining. And, of course, that being a Florida game. I've seen him on TV a few times. I'm, I'm not overly impressed with him, but I thought maybe – you know, coming back this year, he would be a little bit better player, but apparently not good enough to uh, start at least to start the season. It looks more and more like Georgia's going to start DeWan Mathis, which JT Daniels hasn't been cleared to play. Will get cleared to play. We all know that. But and of course, uh, they seem to think he's going to light the world on fire, and we'll see. You know, it's it's kind of like with De'Aaron King. Everybody said, "Oh man, well now they finally got a quarterback." Okay, I was like, we'll see. Now we've seen. We've seen he is really good. Now he he did not he's not exactly beaten great teams so far. I mean, to me Louisville was a fraud from the start. I couldn't believe they were ranked. I didn't vote for them. But they looked really good. And and again, I think Rhett Lashley is a, is a good coordinator, but we'll see what he does against Clemson in 2 weeks. We know what he'll do against FSU. Because FSU is a mess. Uh, obviously, with Mike Norvell having COVID and uh, the the first game loss, and now you got to come back and you got to play a Miami team that is loaded for bear and re- is ready to kind of, uh, you know, take back over the rivalry. I don't see any way FSU wins that game. But I'll be watching. That's what we do. We do like to watch – our college football. Uh, just a, a quick look back at the, at the weekend. Uh, we all knew it wasn't going to be a great weekend, a great Saturday, especially for college football. But it wasn't that bad. Um, I you know I enjoyed watching some of the games. Um, I think Louisville Miami ended up being a bust. I thought it was going to be a good game, but there it was for a while. Um, but overall, it was uh, it wasn't great, but it was it was it was watchable. And it's like. Last year, I remember there was a Saturday, open date, and I sat in that recliner, and I emerged only to get food. I think I made my $50 chili. By the way, people keep asking me for my 
my recipe on the $50 chili. It's very simple. I don't know what it is. Here's what happens. I put in a lot of a lot of ground beef and, and then a, some tomato sauce, a bunch of spices, and then I start adding every kind of meat there is. Sausage, chicken, uh, steak. I chop up, you know, I get a, a cheap steak and chop that up. People, that, that tastes great. Sometimes shrimp. I put everything in there, and then I the piece of resistance is cashews instead of beans, and it's good. It's really good. It's expensive, but it's really, really good. Everybody loves it. So that's my recipe. You just, get, you, you just play with it. Have fun with it. A lot of peppers, too. Make sure you get a lot of peppers in there. Love me some peppers. But anyway, I was watching um, a game. And uh, or I was watching a day of games that day. I lost my train of thought there for a second, which is not stunning. And the next day, my wife said, I can't believe I'm married to a guy who would sit and watch 12 hours of college football. 12 hours. And she really looked at me disgustingly. And I said to her, Karen, I can't believe you married a guy. Who would watch 12 hours of college football? Because it couldn't have been that big of a surprise. It was happening in 1995 and 1996 and 1997 and 1998. We would sit there and watch football all day. The difference is you don't watch 12 hours of football. You just watch the big games. You watch the Gators. I'm still watching it all. Anyway, and I'll watch everything. That is That is going to be kind of a unique thing on Saturday. Not only not going to the Florida game, but... Uh, you know, getting all of our stuff done. We're going to try to do a swamp cast in some way, shape, or form. We're still trying to figure that out. But just watching other games. Well, usually, you know, even on a noon game, let's say we're we're staying in Memphis because you can't stay in Oxford. By the time we get back to Memphis after the game, it's almost like 8 o'clock. So we, we get to watch the night games. But this way, we pretty much watch whatever we want to watch. So, look, I'm a big fan of college football. And I love to watch it, and I'm going to try to do better on my poll this week because now it's starting to get serious now that the SEC's playing. And with that in mind, we'll take a break, and we'll bring on Ralph Russo, who's in charge of that poll and is the AP college football writer, does such a great job with that. Don't forget, we still have three things and the spreads coming up in just a little bit. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to bring on Ralph Russo, who covers college football for the Associated Press and has to listen to my questions about polls all the time and probably wishes he had never met me. But, Ralph, I know this has been the uh, crazy, weird uh, season. Obviously, uh, Dan Mullen referred to it as Bizarro World, like Bizarro Jerry, so I like that he had a Seinfeld reference but it is kind of bizarre a world that we're de- we're dealing with on a daily hourly weekly monthly minute by minute basis right I mean, look even today for example a relatively seemed like a relatively quiet day and then you know right before you call uh there's a, a some word leaking a report from pete thamel out of uh south bend that Notre Dame didn't practice today, and they had let yesterday Notre Dame announced that it had a few COVID positive tests. Played without a couple of kids last week, so now you find yourself, you know, in my position as you know, trying to cover things from a national perspective. Is now we're sort of chasing around, seeing is is Notre Dame going to play this weekend? They they they're scheduled to play Wake Forest. That Wake Forest, uh, both teams have off the next week. Um, so, I mean, I think this is just going to be what it's going to be like all season, this idea of, like, we'll figure out who's playing come Saturday, but between, you know, from from Saturday to Saturday, it'll be a little up in the air about who exactly is going to be playing on on the next week. Yeah, and, of course, you guys have had to deal with trying to figure out when we are, are going to rank teams, <laughs> when we're not going to rank them. The Big Ten says we're coming back. 
Um, some people were, were wondering whether they would vote this week or next week or when they start playing. Uh, the, interesting to me that the uh, the coaches poll, they voted, but a lot of people didn't get the memo, so a lot of people didn't rank Ohio State, and they ended up 10th in the poll. And I'm like, how, do you, how can you put Ohio State 10th in your poll when they may be the best team in the country? But what went into the decision um, to rank uh, the Big Ten starting this coming week but not last week? Yeah, I mean, part of it was just to let let you guys and gals, you know, digest the information. Our, our concern. So one of the things that we had decided was, and again, there's no real great way to do this. But one of the things we had decided was, will will teams will be permitted permitted, I guess is the word, eligible to be ranked if they are scheduled to play in the fall. That was our way of sort of dealing with it. Um, you know, four or five weeks ago, if they're scheduled to be playing in the fall, knowing that team like the SEC, for example, wasn't going to start playing a, a few weeks after most other teams, but it allowed us to have them continue to be ranked. So if we had said, hey, we'll, we'll wait, we have to wait for the SEC teams to start playing, that seemed awkward. So let's just say if everybody, if the, if a, if the conference has a, is scheduled to play, we will allow for the voters to rank them. Well, that was also before we, you know, at that point, the Big Ten wasn't planning on coming back. So we didn't really foresee this idea of the Big Ten might be scheduled to play a month out (laughs) from when they're actually going to start playing. Uh, However, for consistency's sake, we decided to say, okay, if you're scheduled to play, we will allow the voters, we will, you know, make make the teams eligible to be ranked. So the Big Ten is eligible to be ranked starting this week. The only reason why we waited a week is, again, because they, they, they put out that schedule on Saturday. You know, at a certain point, I just felt like, not just me, but my bosses who ultimately make this decision decided it, it's probably best to not just, like, spin on a dime and tell people 24 hours before they have to rank and while games are going on, hey, throw the Big Ten teams in there. Because they're not playing for a month, it didn't give make make for any competitive disadvantage for the Big Ten. So we just decided let's let's let things settle for 24 hours or so. Give everybody a day to think about this, or I'm really not a day, but a week to think about this. And the Big Ten teams will go back in this week. It sounds like the Pac-12 will be up and running soon, and maybe the following week they'll be back in, maybe the Mountain West too. So the only reason why we, we tapped the brakes a little bit this week is because it was done on a Saturday, and we felt like to be a little more orderly, it would be best to wait a couple of days and let the rankings flesh out the following week. Yeah, and it has, you know, for idiots like me, it has been at times confusing because, like, you have to look up sometimes. What conference are they in? Are they they playing? Uh, You know, like with Boise State, I was like, are they the Mountain West? They're not playing then, right? You know, so you you go through that. But um, now that we get the SEC starting this week, it does feel like football season really is beginning this week, even with all the games that have been played. The SEC is the the number one conference based on players in the NFL, national championships, no, and all that. So we're it, it right. does feel like the season's really starting this weekend. I agree. You have you have a full SEC slate. You also have a full ACC slate. You know, again, hopefully these games actually all get played. So a full SEC, a full ACC, and a full Big Twelve. If if all the games are played, we'll be up around thirty three or thirty four FBS games this weekend. About twenty ranked teams will be playing this weekend, including I think three matchups where ranked teams are playing against each other. One including in the SEC. So even though there are no Big Ten teams and there are no Pac twelve teams, we don't have those great late night games on a Saturday where you stay up late and if you're a better you're chasing your bets or if you're just a fan you're just deciding I'm not going to go to sleep until two in the morning until this crazy Pac-12 game is over um, so you don't have that yet it's not a total season but you have what feels like a real football Saturday as opposed to last week when the 330 game on ESPN was Troy and Middle Tennessee State yeah. I didn't watch a lot of that, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I did watch a lot of football, though, but, uh, you know, found other games to watch that were interesting. But, you know, the thing to me, uh, I, I, I've been telling people this, 
the SEC and college football should get together and combine their their mottos because it just say every game really matters more this year because you know the great thing about college football is that every game counts right every game matters well this year they could matter really more you could be 5 and 0 and get into the playoff it depending on what happens you know where where we are how many games we're able to play so i would think there'd be a sense of urgency with these teams that hey we can't kind of find our way into the season we got to start winning right away especially if you're one of the elite teams which is is odd because if you think about it, how hard it it is going to be to just dive right into the season, right? Because you're right, the games are in some ways even more meaningful because we're not sure how many of them they're going to be played. But think about how each team, you know, maybe had a little different kind of off season depending on how quickly they could have gotten back to work out, how how much their teams could have been together. Um, Depending on if you have a new coaching staff, I mean, there's a whole bunch of new staffs in the in the SEC. I think that's a fascinating thing to watch. Like, what will Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss look like? Uh, you have to think the teams that had continuity. I think it's the reason why your Gator. I won't say your Gators, but the Gators down in your neck of the woods uh, in Florida. I think a lot of people, in a, if things had been normal this year, might have looked at. Georgia as the favorite in the East and Florida as a close second. I think the continuity at Florida this year where Georgia has, we're not really sure who's playing quarterback. You have a new offensive coordinator. I think the uncertainty at Georgia in some ways maybe is a boost to the Gators to a certain degree because, again, they've had a little more stability on their staff coming into this season. How all those things play out, uh, where, where stability as opposed to some transition and how that washes out this season I think is really fascinating. And, again, it makes it harder to figure out how to even determine what we're watching early in these seasons. You know, it's amazing to me to think about what if you were a uh, the executive director of the Duke Mayonnaise Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl, and at one point you didn't you had 76 teams that were playing and 41 bowls, 82 slots to fill, which would have been impossible even taking 0 and 10 teams. Now mm-hmm. we're getting more teams there, but how many bowl games? What's, what would you put the over under as to how many bowl games are actually played this year? It's that's hard. Yeah, that's a good good question. I, I think that I've thought all along that some of the smaller games um, might end up going by the wayside. I, I think I'm guessing that by the time we get to the end of this season, there will be some teams that may qualify for bowl games, but may decide. You know what? It was hard enough getting through this season. We've, We've had only, enough. We're only, <laughs> yeah, we're we're five and five, or whatever our record is. You know, yeah, we wouldn't necessarily mind playing another game, but to go for one day where we're not even going to have a bowl trip to, I don't know, Tucson or Albuquerque. <laughs> like, is that really something that we want to put? money into and and time and effort into. So I've, I've thought for all a while that at least some of the smaller bowls will might end up going away. And then you sort of start working your way up the chain and you wonder like, okay, well, what's big enough? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I have an SEC team, yeah, again, I, I, I think I, I want to have a bowl game, but you could still find a, a situation where, listen, even an SEC team, if, if it gets to five and five or is four and six this year, but gets a bowl invite because we just want to fill these games, are they really going to want to play? Um, I'm skeptical about having more than, let's say, a, a couple of, you know, there's about 40. I think if we have a couple of dozen bowls, I almost be a little surprised. I think the biggest games will likely be played because there's a lot of money on the line there. And I think for every rung you get down that ladder, it becomes more tenuous whether these teams are going to want to put themselves in that situation and whether the bowls, you know, the other thing is too, you have to understand bowls make all their money off of tickets. So if they can't fill the stadium, what's, where is the financial incentive for the bowl organizers to hold these games? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could be 
disincentivizing the teams and the games from holding these events. Yeah, because ESPN owns most of these, almost all these bowl games, and they they own all the uh, inventory to sell advertising. So uh, you're right; they do have to make it off ticket sales. What about the Heisman? I mean, I'm, I haven't heard a peep out of the Heisman people. I'm curious where they are in terms of when they're going to do their presentation, or if they're even going to do a Heisman with this weird year. Yeah, and I've tried. I've tried to hit up. I've hit them up a couple of times. Uh, they're based here in New York, so I know those folks over there. And you know, the Heisman. It's it's the Heisman Trust Foundation, and they are very old school. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. I would almost say almost a very stodgy organization. It's not some you know huge conglomerate with lots of people making decisions. It's it's just a it's it's just a foundation. As of right now. They are they they really haven't decided anything as of right now, and I think the the reason why is they don't need to. You know that is an event that is flexible. It's it's essentially an ESPN owned event too at this point, right? I mean, sure. so so as long, you know they they only need a little space in a theater in Manhattan. Um, they need some. They need to be able to work with ESPN. Hey, what's the dates that work best for you? Normally, it would happen the week after the championship games. Well, now it looks like championship weekend is probably going to be December 19th. There might be some games played on December 12th. So if you sort of play that out, maybe you're looking at Christmas week. Maybe they push it back a little farther. Um, It'll be interesting to see. My guess is... The Heisman will simply say, "Listen, when your games are done, we'll have our vote." <laughs> but I think that the good thing for the Heisman now is it's a, it's an event that has a lot of that that can be nimble. So I don't think it really does need to make any of these decisions. I wouldn't be surprised if with Heisman, we don't know for sure about that for another month. I, I think they could wait until the season plays out, see where everybody's heading, and then to say, "Okay." A week after everybody's done, we'll vote, or the week everybody is done, we'll vote, and then a week or so later, we'll have our we'll have our ceremony. Last question for you, and we appreciate your time, Ralph. Uh, are you going to do any traveling this year? I mean, I, I'm not going to the first game. I know that out, out in Oxford, and uh, we're still we're planning on going to the home games, and uh, but we're still mm-hmm. kind of uh, not. I mean, again, what's the point of traveling to to listen to a Zoom call? Yeah, and that's that's where we are. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I've got a couple of story ideas I'd still like to sink my teeth into. But you're right. If you're, you know, uh, you think of it from your perspective, you know, you, you're covering basically one team and or the SEC in general. You know, a lot of what I want to try to do is not just to get to a game, but it's important for me to be able to see people, right? Go, you know, catch up with an AD or a, or a coach or an assistant coach or maybe go in a couple of days early and get a little time in somebody's office and if and if none of that stuff is available to me, uh, as you know, as a national writer, somebody who's got to get on a plane to to go wherever I go, I don't know if the if it's really you know if I'm getting much bang for my buck. Uh, it's uh, at this point, I think it's at best. I, I'd like to go a couple of places. We'll see how that works out, but it will be very limited because again, like just as you said. To go to a, a, a half-empty stadium or two-thirds empty stadium, sit in the press box the whole time, and then have a Zoom call with the coach afterward, I'm just not sure I'm getting enough to justify that. He is Ralph Russo. He is the sports uh, college football writer for AP Sports and does a great job uh, handling all that and handling my inability to vote correctly on polls. Ralph, thanks You're so much. You're just fine, Pat. You're just fine. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. we got to get a break. We'll come back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. All right, thanks to Ralph Russo for coming on the show. We appreciate his time and uh, – Looking forward to doing the poll correctly this week. I actually have did a poll, a complete poll that I really studied everything up on, and it's set one through twenty-five. Now, as games go by, I will be able to move things around, but I I wanted a template. Like I need a like a big dry erase board in my office. I've needed one of those for a long time, but it's a miracle I even have a 
office. And my wife came in there the other day. She goes, what is this stain here? The dog didn't do this. What did, what did you do here? I'm like, I, I can't really answer. I don't know what it is. I think it's Diet Coke that I might have spilled. She wasn't real happy. All right, um, let's do the uh, – let's talk about the spreads. But first I want to get into this whole thing with the masks. And I, I haven't checked uh, my Twitter or the, or the wire yet to see if Sean Payton got a fine last night. But uh, the NFL fined uh, Vic Fangio, Pete Carroll, and Kyle Shanahan $100,000 and fined the teams $250,000 for not wearing their mask during the game. Uh I you know look I I there's a lot of people going in a lot of different directions on this. It's the same old thing. We, you know you're trying to promote mask wearing. To me, it's more of a symbolic thing than anything else because people are taking their masks off to yell at people. If you're spreading COVID, that's doing it. It doesn't matter whether you're wearing it during the game when you're not talking to anybody. But I think it's more of a they're trying to say you should wear a mask and if they if maybe if people are watching the game and they see the coach wearing a mask they'll go well if he can wear a mask I'll wear a mask but as we've seen in in college the same way people are all over the place as far as wearing a mask not wearing a mask um Sean Payton last night didn't wear I never saw him put the mask on during the whole night but again he's had COVID maybe he feels like because I have the antibodies although it's still not been proven uh, whatever I mean, I, I I can't believe we're having to still talk about this mask wearing and not ma- mask wearing, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I mean, is Pete Carroll going to say, "Oh, oh, I thought I didn't, I didn't know you meant that to wear a mask." Um, anyway, that was that was when I saw that story break last night. I went, "Holy cow, that's a lot of money." I don't care who you are, a hundred thousand dollars. I don't care how much you're making. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I will take that. Oh, now that all money all goes to help players, former players who are maybe uh, physically having issues. So it, it's a great cause that it goes to, and um, you know. But anyway, we'll we'll keep an eye on how that goes. All right, let's talk spreads. We like to talk about the spreads for the games coming up this week, even though we're not encouraging betting. We are um, we're still interested in them, and let's start out with uh, the Florida spread. Now the Florida spread's been an interesting one. Started out at 12, 12 and a half, depending on which casino you were looking at. Jumped up to fourteen and a half. What does that tell me? I I, I just I think it tells them hey they can't believe the Ole Miss line was that low. I thought it was a little high. I mean the game is in Oxford. Now, they'll have about 16,000 fans there. Actually, they'll have more because the way it's set up in Oxford with the the edict that came down, there won't be a grove, obviously, but it's 25% of the bowl. Now, that's 16,000 fans, but the people in the um, you know luxury suites where there is outside seating – don't count against it. So they'll probably, you know, they'll probably be around 18,000 or so. Um, will it be loud? No. Will it be hard to hear? No. Will it be momentum for the home team? A little bit. You know, games I've watched where there have been fans, you you know, you felt like they gave them a little boost, but not. it's not enough. Look, it's not going to be the difference in the game. And we've seen games, especially when underdogs were playing at home, where there's that has been a huge factor. The, the, the home crowd has been a huge factor. Um, basketball, we see it all the time. Uh, football, though, too. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a factor this year unless we get to a point where they start letting more fans in the stadium. So that's where Florida right now is up to 14.5 point spread. Makes me a little nervous, you know. Um, but but it could be that they know, you know, the, the wise guys know what's going on. Maybe there's something going on with Ole Miss, and they're going to announce some guys. But, hey, I don't know how you can even think you know what's going on because you don't know what's going on. Florida's got to test two more times this week. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, you hope nobody tests positive. You hope nobody important tests positive. We, this is the way this season's going to be. Like, like Mullen was saying, it's a bizarre world we're living in. 
and we just have to you have to adjust and you have to evolve it's like a, it's it's like a big mystery novel you don't know what the next it's like you turn the next page you go oh and then this happened i didn't see that coming you know that's the way it feels like it's been so uh, other spreads, FSU, 11 points they're getting against Miami. That's got to be the most in a long, long time, doesn't it? And I know FSU stunk on ice the last couple of years, but I can't think they were 11-point dogs to Miami because Miami wasn't any good. Miami, you remember last year, finished the season by getting shut out by La Tech. Look, I don't know if Miami's back yet. Uh, and I pointed this out in my column the other day. Miami, it's not like Miami w- wasn't ten and zero three years ago, and then they lost their last few games. But they were ten and zero, so they were kind of back then. But you don't get back just by winning two games. And I don't think either team they played was any good. I think they were average teams at best. They looked like a different team. They looked like a really good team. We'll see what happens when they play Clemson, and then we'll go from there. But. 11-point favorites. I think FSU is going to play really hard. I think I just don't think – I still think they have the same problems they've always had, quarterback, offensive line. And I think in the end, they're not going to be able to run the ball against that defense. I think Miami ends up winning that game by a bunch. I would take Miami and give the 11 points. Tennessee, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against South Carolina, although on the road is – Different, you know, has a different connotation now. Uh, I just don't know if South Carolina is going to be any good. And again, this Colin Hill guy, who's mostly a pretty good player, I want to see this guy. That is a game I am really looking forward to. I think it's a night game on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to that game. I can't wait. Um, I hope it's as good a game as, as I think it's going to be. Uh, and we'll see if Tennessee's for real. You know, I made the Kardashian comment to, in, on Feinbaum the other day, and, of course, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee fans are all upset. Hey, prove it. Prove you're good. When you prove you're good, I'll say you're good. When you beat Florida a couple of years ago, I said, hey, no more Kardashians. And then you went and let yourselves get all full of yourself because you won a bunch of games against crummy teams at the end of the year, and you went right back into that Kardashian mode. Beat somebody, I'll stop. You got a lot of teams on your schedule. A lot of really good teams. Beat them. South Carolina's not one of them. Better not lose to that team. We remember how you opened the season last year. Alabama's 27-point favorite over Missouri. It's a lot of points. I would so far stay away from that game. Uh, You couldn't get me to touch it. Uh, I think Alabama will beat them by more than that, but it's at Missouri, which, again... Crowd's not going to be that big of a factor, but still, it's travel and everything. And I think you know Eli Drinkwitz is keeping his roster secret and everything, so he may have something special for these guys. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. And that's the thing for Eli. Eli's going to go well, be on the sideline when they're warming up for the game, going, "Oh crap, we got to play this team." Uh, this isn't going to be good. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Georgia, 26-point favorite over Arkansas. Sam Pittman um, playing against a team that he coached, you know, as an assistant coach for a long time. Uh, that that game has one reason to watch it. Well, two reasons. Dewan Matt, the quarterbacks, Dewan Mathis and Felipe Franks. I want to watch those two guys play and see how they do. It, it probably won't go well for Felipe. He's playing up against what – is arguably the best defense in the conference. But if he does go well, then, yeah, good for him. Rooting for him to do well. Mississippi State's getting 16-and-a-half at LSU. LSU, again, you don't have that usual home crowd advantage, and I think I'm, it's probably time for me to quit saying that. Um, I don't know anything about Mississippi State, except that K.J. Costello's there and uh, – we know Mike Leach, new coach. I, I think, and of course, we know that LSU lost so much, and then Jamar Chase opts out, Tyler Shelvin walks out, opts out. It'll be interesting to see where this game goes. I, I think that game has the potential to be an interesting game. Um, Vandy's giving up thirty and a half to A and M. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how long Vanderbilt plays this year. If they're zero and six and they're still everybody's still going strong, they may just go, yeah, we're good. 
we're good. We're just we're going to opt out. The whole team's going to opt out. Or you may you could go to your offensive lineman and go, hey, you guys all have coronavirus. I mean, we're not giving it to you. We're just telling you you have it, and that way you can't play any more games, and we can't play any more games. And then uh, Kentucky is getting seven and a half at Auburn. That's a game I think a lot of people are looking forward to. I'm curious how it's going to go. All right, we got to get to three things. It's time for three things. Number one, the U.S. Open was not watchable at the end. Uh, uh, DeChambeau, look, he's changed the way we play. We see golf. We view golf. Hit it as far as you can. Don't care where it goes. Gouge it out of the rough with a with a wedge. But, I mean, he he's done the work. He came up with a plan. It's working. Now, everybody said, well, when you get to a major, it won't work. And it worked. He ran away with it. Uh, was it? It was a really fun open to watch until he started to run away with it. And actually, you know, there were there were parts of it that weren't fun to watch. I don't know. U.S. Opens you watch for the train wrecks, but when the train wrecks are all coming to guy, uh, guys that you're rooting for, like Billy Horschel shot 80 the last day. You know, McElroy. Every time you get it going, he would have a little bit of a wreck. Uh, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. The good thing is coming up. Next two majors are both the Masters. So that's cool. Uh, number two, the NFL games on Sunday and Monday were unbelievable. They were some great games. I feel bad for Dan Quinn, but you just have to recognize what the rules on the onside kick. One thing about that onside kick I, I did want to say was that the – if the player had tried to jump on that spinning ball and had scored it out and they and and Dallas had recovered, everybody would be saying, Why did you jump on it? You have to let it go ten yards so you could have waited. Look, but I, I'm not trying to defend anybody. That 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 was stupid. I don't know how much Dan Quinn's gonna survive, but it was a hell of a game. And there were and it just felt like there were game after game after game after game after game. They it was really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and finally, on three things, um, the Braves, 54 games, 32 and 22. I'm agonizing with every game. You talk about every game means more. They should – it's it's that way. And I don't know that this is a playoff team. We have no pitching. We have one pitcher. I have two in it, two maybe, if you want to count Ian Anderson, who I refer to as Jethro Tull for obvious reasons. And then, of course, Max Freed, uh, the bullpen – I call it uh, Coldplay and Darren O'Day because Chris Martin is one of our – we got a good bullpen. Melanson's been pretty good. Oh, they can hit, you know. Acuna's kind of uh, – Freeman, I love Freddie Freeman to death. He's become one of my favorite Braves of all time. I don't think we're going far in the playoffs. But to me, just getting there, winning the division, haven't done it yet, still have to keep going. But I'm proud of my Braves. All right, that's going to do it for three things. We'll get out of here. I want to thank you all for listening. Don't forget, next week, two – podcasts uh we'll have one tuesday and one again thursday until then i am pat dooley the sports columnist of the gainesville sun i am deep i am way back and i am out of here